Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. Well, what's the color of the car right outside the studio? Without looking. Without looking. I have no idea. No, but you definitely <laughs> engaged with that information. Yeah. You passed that car, you looked at it, you didn't, but, but if I had said on the way in, check what color the car is right outside, like you'd pass that test one for one every time. Yeah. It's that easy. Yeah. It's like a, it's like a fo- it's just a focus thing in a way. I, I think it always comes back to some version of mindfulness or focused attention. That's kind of yeah. what I was. Focused attention in certain, but for different sorts of application. Focus attention to not make mistakes. Focus attention to um, be empathetic and take into consideration the opinions and thoughts of others. Focus attention for sake of learning and studying material. That might be an interesting thing to kick off this discussion. Okay. Because what I have noticed in the realm of communication is we sort of, you know, if, if you're feeling something and you're trying to communicate it to me, you've got all of this inside of you. It's, it's your experiences, it's your emotion, it's your feelings, your thoughts, your, your desires, your concern, everything. And what's coming out is the best you got. It's language, it's, it's these symbols that are trying to make sense of all that stuff that's going on in you, mm-hmm. right? If you don't, if you're not mindful, thoughtful, if your attention is not focused and you don't have very clear aims for this communication, then you just kind of get what you get. Right. And it, it's not always effective. Yeah. Think about how often that probably happens over the course of a football season or a soccer season or, you know, we're in fall right now. Any sort of coaching season. Yeah. Emotions are high. Plenty at stake. Stress level going on. Let's use a football team just for sake of uh, being mildly dramatic. We're talking about 60 to 85 high school boys. You know, so this, the, the touch points for communication are incredibly rangy. You know, they're, they're coming from all over the place large coaching staffs in those situations as well. If you're not being thoughtful, if you're being reactive because you're stressed out or hot or tired or pissed off about a loss or, or nervous about an upcoming game, communication will likely suffer, which is why coaching is communication to a degree. Yeah. If you're not working on communication as a coach, you are completely missing the boat. If you say, and I'm telling you this, and you know, no offense if you said this before, go ahead and forgive yourself, but then change your freaking mind. Um, if you say like, no, nah, I'm about wins, I'm about success, you know, there's this very sort of romantic and, and fun and, and Instagram-y notion that no, I'm about the business, I'm about the grind, I'm about whatever. Well, if you're not about communication, then you're not going to get any of those outcomes. Yeah, I, it's, it's like if you spend all your time, uh, and this is not a novel idea by me, but um, essentially when it comes to coaching, like you only know what you are able to effectively communicate to your athletes. And what I mean by that is I mean that you can engage with, let's go like, I'm going to go from a strength realm because obviously that's salient for you and I, but like I, I read triphasic for example, Mm -hmm. right? So on a certain level, I know it, but in the context of coaching, if I can't coach my athletes through it and use it effectively and have it to a point where they understand what to do, and what it's supposed to look like, mm-hmm. then do I really know it? It's almost like if a tree falls in the forest, but no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Very similar. You know, yeah. theoretically, right. you know, yeah. we don't want to go to, because so, some people out there will be like, well, I get triphasic, fine. But if you don't get it well enough to share it with someone, then you could be a, you could be a great, potentially, 
academic or probably on a lower level, just understander of information. But if you can't share the information that you know, then you're not a coach. Right. So coaching is communication. Let's jump off from there. You've got to be willing to work on this. It's a skill. And I actually had a really, a really intense conversation yesterday. I haven't told you about this yet. A really intense conversation with someone who lasted about two hours. This person is no longer a coach, but this person is now in business, but used to be a coach. And we got to some really interesting stuff. We talked about humility. We talked about how it was so essential that regardless of one, one's like intended outcomes, the ability to pull back and reflect on how he, in this case, was communicating with people, like that's all that was left to work on. Meaning the minimal viable product for this person's business understanding, understanding of, of his business, it was there. Um, you know, all the sort of nuts and bolts to construct a career, they were there. The ability to communicate well, there were hints of it. But those hints, and, and let me walk you down this path, his ability to communicate was degraded by his own fear of being sort of what I would say found out as a bad communicator. And think about this. You and I are communicating. You start to call something of that I'm saying into question. And if I don't have the skills to navigate you through my ideas, then you go one of two ways. I think a thoughtful, effective communicator will slow it down, have some humility, and, and kind of work through it. But what I've recognized, and certainly in the case that I'm referring to, was they did not want to be exposed. So they put up a barrier real fast. And it's almost there was this sort of aggression that came in the face of miscommunication. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to think of a, an example with a kid. Uh, hey, here's an example with a coach. If I'm your coach yeah, and I tell you to do something, and to me it makes sense, but you just don't get it. If you should, and I really believe this in a coaching culture, open up the door to healthy levels of communication. I don't want you to freaking doubt me at every turn. Right. I'm not talking about like obnoxious skepticism from player to coach, but to give your player, to empower your player to have clarifying conversations with you as a coach seems relevant. Now, if you start to ask those questions and I become really defensive and intense and say, get your head in the playbook, why don't you, whatever, I think that is on me as a coach, right? That's my fault. And what, what I've recognized, and again, referring back to yesterday, referring to things that I've seen in the past, that is happening far too often. You get called on some sort of miscommunication, right or wrong, if you don't understand it, that's my job to make you understand. And instead of slowing down and walking you through it, I put up guard. And guard, especially in intense spaces like the weight room, like the football field, like the soccer field, whatever it might be, sometimes looks, I'm going to go ahead and say this, a little ridiculous because you bite a kid's head off at not recognizing that it's actually your, I don't want to say issue, but but your miss, yeah. intentional or not, you certainly didn't mean to mislead a kid, but your miscommunication is what led to that frustration. Thoughts on that? Have you seen it? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it a lot and it's you know you and i have had moments like that and that's part of that's that's been part of my growth as a coach and as a professional is the ability to say to you for example you asked me to do whatever it doesn't matter what the task is sure and if i don't fully understand there's also an onus of responsibility on me you're talking about you as the communicator well me as the receiver of the communication there's a onus on me to say 
can you explain further? Or mm. what do you mean by X, Y, Z to like kind of yeah, dig yeah. deeper? Because if I don't understand exactly what you're asking me to do, yeah. and then I kind of go into this defensive mode yeah. and leave the conversation being like, ah, I'll figure it out. Well then ultimately, not I shouldn't say ultimately, I shouldn't talk so black and white, but a lot of times what ends up happening is the desired outcome is not achieved. Right. And we find ourselves right back at step one where it's a conversation of, I asked you to do this. Why didn't this, you know, and it's like, you just, just wasted time. Yeah. yeah. And time in coaching, especially time is one of the most important commodities that you have. Yeah. I think in life, that's totally right. So what you're referring to is, I guess what I was mentioning in, in my thing, the, the healthy version of clarifying. Cause like you, yeah. what you just said was you, you didn't say F you, I don't get it. I'm walking away. Right. You said that it was on you as the receiver to, clarify in a constructive way right say i'm sorry i just i didn't i wasn't picking up on that can you clarify mm -hmm. it, it's as simple as that this seems like the appropriate time to talk about ocd of course is that fair 100 percent. okay so when we talk about healthy communication we always i was about to say often yeah we always have find ourselves back at ocd OCD has multiple, you know, we're not talking about obsessive compulsive disorder, although we, we welcome the comparison because we sort of jokingly suggest that you have to be mildly obsessive about the way you communicate if you want to be an effective communicator. It spans, you know, even think about this. If people are like obsession is bad or I'm more than just a coach, that's fine. But a lot of our coaches that we've worked with have said that this has impacted their lives outside of coaching more positively than just about anything else. I'm talking about people in their relationships. I'm talking about with significant others. I'm talking about as teachers and friends and whatever. The ability to communicate, I think pressure is on in coaching. As we said, coaching is communication. But if you master this idea, this OCD idea, it will transfer positively into other areas of your life. Without question. OCD stands for, ready? Yep. Optimism. Optimistic. Optimistic assumptions. Optimistic assumptions. <laughs> C is clarify as needed d is don't talk smack and sm we don't always use the word smack but this is a public access is it yeah kind of, anyone yeah, can get it no, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah this is a public access podcast show so uh optimistic assumptions make optimistic assumptions clarify as needed and don't talk smack here's what we mean by that optimistic assumptions i think is dependent on a few core ideas the basic idea is just assume that when you engage with someone with similar outcomes or, or similar hopes, goals, and, and intended outcomes, who you at least mildly trust as a person, be, take the optimistic perspective that you will get to the back end of whatever communication you are engaged in, in a better place than where you started. That's the optimistic assumption, is that we, I'm engaging with someone who's similar enough to me that we can move forward if we engage in a healthy way. The outcome, you know, we're all moving in the same direction. Good things are on the way. C is clarify as needed. And like you just said, whether if you are the receiver of information, we, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, there are, there are classes and schools dedicated to communication. It's usually from the delivery standpoint. Here's how I'm delivering this information. Here are effective ways to write and to public speak and to whatever it might be. It's all in delivery. Reception is literally half the communication exchange. So we need to consider the receiver and we do that from a variety of perspectives. But in this case, all we try to do is empower the receiver to clarify as needed. It's what you just said. If you don't get it, refer back to O, 
assume optimistically, assume that the person that is delivering information to you has good things to say or, or mean, meaningful things to say or worthwhile things to say. And if you don't get it, take a moment to clarify. Fine. Also, much easier to do if you're being optimistic. C is, yeah, so C is clarify as needed, essential. D, the don't talk smack part, all these things fit together. The don't talk smack part is really key. Here's why I think it's so key. It is really hard to be optimistic if you think the people around you are talking smack about you. It is really hard to clarify as needed in the absence of that. So just to create a culture of positive communication, you probably shouldn't be talking badly about the people that you're engaging with. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. If you talk trash about the people you work with, you are poisoning the well. Name one successful organization where the people that the people within it routinely talk poorly about the other pe people within it. It doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. Think about that. And I hope some people listening to this recognize that truth. Because I'm telling you, you come home, think about this. You come home from a long day of work. Maybe if you're like myself or Alex, you sat through some traffic on the way home and whatever. And it, wouldn't it feel nice to vent about some of the frustrations of the day? Maybe so. But if you are venting and you, you are... Uh, in the absence of the desire to move in a positive direction, that's just talking trash. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I would say, like, just thinking about this right now, if you take care of O and C, D is Almost out the window. It's, right. like, it's like you, you don't even have to concern yourself with it. It's like D happens. The, the talking smack happens when there's a failure to mm -hmm. opt for with the O and the C. No doubt. Why do you talk? It, it, this is so funny how this fits together. I think that the initial story that we were just talking about, you talk trash mostly due to lack of optimism. Yeah. You, you're not convinced. Like if I'm the coach and you just questioned me and we haven't set up um, positive or, or healthy ways to clarify as needed, then I lose my optimism. You lose your optimism and I'm, I start to become defensive. You talk trash. Talking trash is a defense mechanism. And that is just a fact. So anyone out who's out there that just says, well, I know I like to play devil's advocate or I, li I like to, you know, this person is whatever. Y you cannot talk yourself out of this idea. Talking trash is a defense mechanism. If the, if the person that you are communicating with, if, if you both don't share optimism, if you don't clarify with each other as needed, then the talking trash will sometimes happen. So you can see now that those three things, the interplay between those three things is the absolute core of healthy communication and culture. Is that fair? Yeah. And it reminds me, I don't, I don't want to keep giving acronyms, but if people are taking notes, this might be a, another good one. But BCD, right? BCD is um, a concept that Urban Meyer, I don't, know, I don't know if I can vouch for Urban Meyer in any way outside of the fact that he's a really good football coach. Fair. fair. And watch the news. I won't go any further down that road. Um, very good football coach, and that's unquestionable. He has taken and created cultures, taken over cultures and, and recreated them in his image, at least when it comes to communication, that is, it's just indisputably good, right? It, what was it? It was Bowling Green, uh, who went from irrelevant to bowl game. Utah, which went from semi-irrelevance to legitimate, and in the conversation, should we have a non-Power 5 school in the, at the time they were not in the Pac-10, right? Yeah. Um, you have, should they be in the conversation for playing for a big bowl? It really just changed that. The whole scene at, at uh, Utah and Florida 
obviously. Obviously, yeah. And Ohio State, pretty obviously. Like these are pretty amazing turnarounds and levels of success. So Urban Meyer, despite what rumors you may have heard about him as a human, the ability to communicate well and change culture, unquestionable as far as I'm concerned. He has a rule and he took it to every place he went to. It was, he calls it in his book, the ruthless elimination of BCD. And that really, that, that like meshes very well with our OCD concept. The ruthless elimination of BCD, especially on our um, don't talk smack component. BCD is an acronym. Sorry for all these letters, but BCD is an acronym for blame, complain, defend. And if we're being honest with ourselves, there just is no room in a culture to blame other people, to complain about your situation in a way that becomes not very fruitful, and defend your actions even when, the, when you're not seeing the outcomes that you wanted. And again, I'd like everyone to sort of pause and reflect on that. How often do you do it? I know I've been guilty of it in the past, okay? I try not to do it anymore. But in, and take a look at the people around you. How often do you see people blaming other people because things aren't going well? Complaining about the situation as though that's why they're not seeing the outcomes without taking any positive steps forward and then defending their actions in the presence of lack of outcome. You with me on that? Yeah. I mean, and, it happens all the time. You see it all the time. And, and if we're being honest, we're all guilty of it at some point. To some degree, we are all guilty of it. Yeah. One, that's true. One other thing that this reminds me of um, is Jocko Willink, who you know I'm a big fan of. You love Jocko. Um, and he wrote the book Extreme Ownership, and mm -hmm. it was just talking about leadership. And the idea of extreme ownership is one that I, I really like and I see often misconstrued, and I think it strays a little bit into the territories that you're talking about right now because a lot of times in his idea of extreme ownership, it's always start with yourself, right? And, and yeah. so... A lot of people take that or if you kind of have just this passing knowledge of it or if you've just heard it, people think, okay, so it's always my fault. Hmm. That, and that's not what he's saying. No. If, you, if you read the book and you listen to the things that he says, he's not saying that you always blame yourself, but he's saying start with yourself and where could I have done better as a communicator, for mm -hmm. example? Like is something that I said not clear to this person? Right. And then you kind of work your way down the line. Okay, if you decide or you have a conversation with that person and you were clear in your communication, then the next step down is, okay, how do we fix this problem moving forward? What do we do next? Maybe maybe a thoughtful consideration of what state was the receiver in when I delivered the information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also like, and then sometimes if you keep going further and further, sometimes you recognize, and this is, I think, can be an optimistic thing, is maybe this person was not the right person for this task. Yeah. And, and that's a conversation that you have with that individual and say, what are other ways that maybe you could help us? Sure. But again, I, I just think it's an interesting idea when it comes to communication. I think it fits well into our OCD model because yeah. it's like, start with yourself. What could I have done better? That doesn't yeah. mean you just accept blame. Right. Or you push blame on the other person. Well, think about, I, I don't mean to cut you off at yeah. all. Think about how... You're so right. And think about why his book is so relevant. It's relevant because we're in a culture of scapegoating. The blaming thing, if the blaming thing didn't exist in the first place, you wouldn't be so cautious or, or you wouldn't be pushing back on the blame part. You wouldn't be looking for someone to blame. Yeah. Right? Doesn't it all come back to some degree to self-reliance? I mean, it's Emerson. Mm -hmm. It's self-reliance. It is 
at the key of all or at the core of all of this, it's some sort of self-aware, mindful, focused state of being, right? You have to be focused. You have to be mindful. You have to be thoughtful to recognize yourself in these situations to say, to step back and say, am I being optimistic? Am I clarifying with the people around me as needed? Am I being as clear as I can and clarifying as needed? Am I talking smack, some, even unintentionally? Am I talking smack about people? And then, you know, let's, let's go to the Urban Meyer thing. Do, do you find yourself blaming other people? Like it requires a mindful state to recognize those things because it's very natural to just slip into, you know, we see things, think about how humans are built. If, if you touch a hot pan, you pull back automatically, right? We're, you avoid pain for obvious survival reasons, right? We do the same thing when it comes to psychological pain. So oftentimes when it comes to psychological pain, you, you know, it's much easier to push it away, to say, no, that's wrong, push it away. That wasn't me, I don't, I don't wanna feel the pain of like being wrong. It was that person or it was that situation or it was that context, push it away, than to sort of wrestle with it a little bit. Now, the recognition, the pretty obvious recognition I think in this case is, if you push it away, it's still there. The problem has not gone away. You've just distanced yourself from it. If you wrestle with it and unbraid it, perhaps you do get to a better place. But that's much harder to do. And kind of coming full circle, it's especially hard to do in the middle of a season as a coach. Lots of voices, you know, dissonant and otherwise. Stress, pressure, sometimes degraded physiological states. Think about this. You'll be at, co you'll be at practice till maybe 7 p.m. tonight. You'll work a full day. You'll go to practice. You're sweaty. Maybe you're dehydrated, you know, like it's understandable that maybe you are not at the pinnacle of your communication ability. All the more reasons to, to be reflective, you know, and, and sort of do your best in that moment. So I know that you don't care about the listeners, but I do. So with that <laughs> in mind, I want to uh, I want to I, I want some strategies. OK, if we could. So let's say that you feel like you want to adopt this model of communication and wherever you are at, how do I go about doing it? How do I optimistically enter a yeah. situation? There's no doubt that this is really at the core, I think, of our work with teams and coaches and organizations now. You need to start with a character by design session and some version of it. That's what we call it. That's what we do. We call it character by design. But you have to align goals. Okay, and I don't even really mean goals. Goals are more like habits. Goals are signposts along the way to fulfilling a mission or a purpose. So until you can get on the same page with your mission and purpose, effective communication is challenging, really challenging. In fact, it was Malcolm Gladwell, who I don't always herald, uh, but, uh, but, he, but he had a really interesting way of framing writing as a concept. And that was, you know, he said too many people think about how to open their story. What you need to think about is how you're going to end it. Like, what's your point? Okay. And then the rest of it sort of fills in easily. If you think about that, I want to get to the point I'm writing book X. I want to get to the point, the conclusion of this, let's pretend we're writing a book on communication is that OCD is the essence of healthy communication. Now, fine, done, build back, explain how you're going to get there. I think every season needs to start with sort of an alignment of coaches goals. Okay, or an alignment of mission and purpose. If the head coach doesn't come, doesn't bring everyone together and say, hey folks, like this is what we're here for. Okay, this is our big overarching mission, purpose, and goal. And we need to make sure that our behaviors over the course of this season map onto that. 
Because that is the only way, I think, to really clarify communication. So if you said, if you jump on the field, if, I'm, if, if we're coaching on a, a staff together and I see you just MFing a kid, you know, just cussing him out and just like, what's wrong with you? Like, whatever. What's wrong with that? I have to be able to answer that. If I think you've used language that I wouldn't use, that's not super compelling when it comes from the clarification idea. But if we say, hey, we said that we were going to hold these kids accountable, but, not, but never degrade them and make them feel like they were less than a human being or whatever it might be. Alex, does your behavior in this moment map onto that? Now, I'm being a little, I obviously wouldn't use that kind of language on the field. I'd be much more direct, right? But if I don't have that to push up against, how do I hold you accountable as a coach? So it sounds like what you're saying is like one of the keys to optimism is a shared vision, shared purpose, shared goal. One of the keys to communication on the whole yes. is, is shared mission, purpose, and, and instead of goals. And then once you share that, now you can be optimistic. Now, let's go back to that situation. I think you are, I want you to stop cussing at a kid, whatever. Never. You, <laughs> you, but like <laughs> the reason now I feel more comfortable coming to you and holding you accountable Cause I can be like, cause I'm optimistic. I'm like, look, dude, we, we said that this was where we wanted to go. Okay. Is that where you were taking the, him in this situation? And if you can't say yes to that, now we can have a clarifying conversation. And when we both drive home that night, I'm not talking smack about you in my car, but I'm like, man, Alex was such a whatever today, cussing at a kid and, and whatever, because we already took the time to clarify yeah. And now we leave the practice field feeling more optimistic and, and awesome. Now, I would say, and I know this is going to happen because you mentioned time earlier. Some coaches are going to say, well, you know, how do I have a conversation like that on the field that requires too much time? For, nonsense. It's just, like, it's just like anything else. You prepare to have it so that when you have it, it's quick. That's why these preseason meetings are so essential. You have to be meeting with your staff, aligning your mission and purpose so that you can engage with all these ideas. Because that front end work is what is going to allow you to make good split second decisions. When you're on the field, when you're engaging with a kid, you don't have time to process it all, all the way through. The processing should have already been done. Is that fair? Yeah. So when you react, when Alex reacts at 6.30 p.m. on a Tuesday night with an athlete who made the wrong decision or whatever, that his behaviors matches, his behaviors match the goal that he and the staff have already sort of agreed upon, right? So yeah. it feels like it takes a lot of time. It doesn't. It makes things more efficient down the road. There's fewer issues to clean up. The, the ability to hold people accountable is far cleaner if you take some of that front end time. Now, I think this might be an interesting time to identify how these moments of clarification, like within communication, extend forward. Talk all the time about how sports don't teach life lessons implicitly or explicitly rather. They might implicitly to some degree, but we think you have to be explicit so that you ensure the life lessons are being taught. Sports don't teach life lessons. Intentional teachers and coaches use sports as a platform to teach life lessons. That includes framing situations for kids. If you are a wrestler, say, and you are just working your tail off, why is that Why is that good? How, how, how would you name that, I, I would guess, I would say character trait. How would you name it so that you can move it forward? If the only goal is to become an Olympic wrestler, okay, then, then wrestling alone is probably fine. But if you're trying to empower that young man or woman to go on and be successful in other areas of his or her life, then you have to explain why it was important that they woke up before other people. Why being diligent about nutrition, like even around the holidays, you know, why that was an important idea. 
so that they can call upon that almost like a, a toolbox, a toolkit of character traits so that they can call upon that in the future, maybe when times get tough, maybe when work ethic is necessary, maybe in, as in sports, when they have to be part of a community, part of a family, part of an office place, whatever it might be, why those lessons and communication they learned as an athlete will again help them. So I think that's really necessary. And, and I've got a couple stories I wanted to share about this sort of stuff transferring forward. So add into this as you see fit, Alex, and um, feel free to add any of your own. But the three that jump out really quickly are, the first one, this is probably obvious enough. We had a young man who went into the army and I got, and actually this stems from three notes that we've received in, in one version or other. The first one was from uh, a young man I, I coached back in the day who was in the army and he said that he referenced while doing like a wall sit or some grinding workout that when he was in the middle of that wall sit or whatever the army was putting him through that he called back mentally to the times in the weight room training for football and the qualities and the character traits that we referred to how he was able to tap into those in that moment and was therefore successful that's really interesting and probably a pretty direct you know physical discomfort to physical discomfort i can do this sort of idea the other one was that was probably four years ago the one i got last year was a young man who's about to graduate from a really elite academic institution said the same sort of thing but this in this case specifically he was transferring it to the academic realm and was able to again in those in the in the midst of academic rigor call upon the things that he learned as an athlete because we were explicit about how it was taught okay those are two pretty basic ones some of the more compelling ones i think might be these nutrition we we were able to let me give you a full context here every once in a while we will have young people referred to us from the social work department and other areas of the school we found a young woman a while back obviously i will keep this all anonymous who was dealing with a pretty significant eating disorder now we were able through strength and conditioning through powerlifting specifically and really intentional use of language reframe nutrition for this young person and i get the chills thinking about it because that's not something that we necessarily set out to do when we started all this work but man was it a cool thing when it happened this person was didn't feel like they had a lot of wins in their life you know what i mean by that yeah. successes quantifiable successes people celebrating them and their efforts so Strength and conditioning, as we talked about this, it's this, this uh, dedication to a process that yields incremental growth and you can see it and you can, almost, and you can name it and quantify it. We were able to establish wins for this person. And in the establishment of wins, you know, things like, well done, you've been 100% on attendance this month. Well done, you've improved you know, five pounds even. Think about that in your squat. Awesome job. We're going to go to a competition. Maybe this person gets a medal, whatever it might be. Through that setting, like, or within that setting, we were able to have conversations on nutrition that were exclusively performance-based. So now, you know, we very gently, cautiously, and in communication with the other people that this person was working with, developed a, a, a set of language, words and language that were able to frame food as um, fuel and recovery. Okay, you fuel into a workout, you recover out from it. We can't skip meals. We've got to be healthy. We've got to be thoughtful because now we have this new incentivized system of wins. You know, where there were no wins before, now we've got some. 
you can see yourself getting better and no one's doing that for you except for you. Like you are making yourself better. It's your diligence. It's your work ethic. It is you getting to bed on time and, get, and getting rest. It's, it's you busting your butt in the weight room and then eating thoughtfully afterwards, recovering from this workout, all of this stuff. And the feedback that we got from that is like, like you talk about like life-changing stuff. That's life-changing. Someone, someone's life improved for the better. Now, I don't think that's just the weight room. You could throw that person in the weight room and, and eating disorders are exacerbated. They could be made worse. And then you start posting stuff on the internet and the internet, you know, you get this unsolicited feedback from the internet. And it's like, well, maybe I'm too this or too that or whatever. In our area, our communication was so specific, right? With a very specifically, in, you know, with a very specific outcome in mind that we were able to provide a really cool thing for someone. All right. The last thing I'll say about this in terms of, of being clear about communication for intended outcomes and teaching for life lessons is, and I don't want to be too negative, but I think back to our guy who will also remain anonymous, um, who died by suicide not long ago. And I'm not, and that's, this is not like a sad conversation. No. Okay. But w when I think back, like you and I both know that if that person had asked us for something, we would have done our best to be there for them. Yeah. Right. And I'm not saying we even could have, you know, mental health is its own conversation. It's its own podcast. It is a complicated and person specific idea. But the idea that, you know, the thought, could I have communicated with this person better? Could I have empowered this person to clarify as needed more often? not just on the field, but in the realm of mental health and what that person was going through, could the outcome potentially have been different? Now, that's a really hard thing to say. It's, I don't think it's a fair thing to shoulder completely as coaches, obviously, but mostly because how could that ever have been our, we didn't know that that was an outcome was to keep people safe, you know, necessarily in that way. So how do we design our behavior for that? It would have been hard as young coaches. But what I am saying now is, for sure, in any environment that we create to empower young people to advocate for themselves and clarify as needed in those realms is an, is an absolute. It's a necessity. I won't coach a football team. I won't coach a water polo team. I won't work in the weight room with any team and not have them know explicitly that this is a safe place physically and psychologically. We are going to challenge you. We're going to work hard. We got big goals. But if you get hung up along the way, I need you to reach out to us. Okay. We're here for you. Okay. And, and you got to reiterate that. I think all the time. Yeah. Thoughts on this. I, I mean, it's, it's just vitally important. I, I had this conversation with a freshman group on Tuesday, actually, just this past week. And uh, we ended our session and had about five minutes left. So I took that opportunity to just have a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. And I talked about some of the things that we've talked about before. Number one, challenging what toughness looks like. And I mm -hmm. use that as a way to say to them, like, I need you guys to be tough down here. I need you guys to be tough on the field. And then when you're out living your life, I need you to kind of redefine what you think tough is. What I, you think tough is. Yeah, right. I need you to, I need you to be tough, but I need you to be tough by being able to maybe have a tough conversation with someone, ask a friend, reach out to them, say, are you doing all right, man? You seem a little off and just 
again, for me, like I reiterated to them, I was like, my door is always open if yeah. you want to talk to me. And I also said to them, we don't have to talk about, it, it doesn't have to be something serious always. If you mm. want to come talk about something serious, I hope you know that I'm always here to listen to you. But if you just want to come talk about life or you want to talk about sports, let's talk about that stuff. Yeah, yeah. But let's, you know, let's talk is the big thing. 100%. Keep the door open for communication. Have silly, fun conversations on music, sports, whatever, regularly, so that the doors open should something come up and whatever that again, that's its own podcast. But, but the point but but not, you know, I, I do feel like it overlaps with this one, because we're talking about communication. Yeah. So just as sort of a, a backtrack and understand this whole thing. Coaching is communication. If you're not if you don't want to work on it, you're not willing to work on it, you're in the wrong freaking business, because that's it. OCD is the seed of healthy communication to be optimistic about those you communicate with to clarify as needed and to not talk smack about those who you're engaging with. That's the seed. Live by it. Don't abide anything other than that. And that's hard on its own. But live by it. I promise your cultures will improve. And then I think part three essentially was recognizing that what you're doing is explicitly trying to teach life lessons. Communication is a life lesson. And then whichever other outcome you're looking for, whether that's increased character, whether that's reframing, you know, helping someone who's going through some sort of mental health dilemma or whatever it might be, effective communication is the only way you can really take those young people down a better path. So whether it's teaching life lessons, creating a culture at your school, or just the basic recognition that this is something we all need to work on, I don't know. I think that's really a, a lot of the core of what the Good Athlete Project stands for. Without a doubt. If you're looking for more specific strategies on how to do this at your place, I hope you'll reach out to us because, you know, effective communication, there are some bullet points, there are some absolutes, some anchors that go situation by situation that kind of cover everything. But effective communication on the, say, on the north side of Chicago is different than effective communication on the south side of Chicago, which is different than effective communication in California or Boston or Texas or wherever it may be. So we are happy to support you down the path of creating healthy cultures of communication in your place. So I do hope you'll reach out to us as, as I mean, you can find us at coach for kindness on any sort of social media, obviously goodathleteproject.com. There's a contact page there. Or if you are in the Chicagoland area, stop by our upcoming beyond strength clinic. It's on October 13. It's going to be up in Northbrook, Illinois. It's a suburb. It's just off the highway though. It's at a place called TC boost run by an awesome coach, Tommy Christian. We're going to have experts from a bunch of fields that, you know, talking about information that pertains directly to this communication conversation. So I think there's going to be a really cool bend to this specific clinic on October 13. A lot of sports parenting concepts will be addressed. That is both how to be an effective sports parent, you know, and, and encourage your young athlete alongside supplementing the coaching he or she is getting, not distracting from it in any way, but really with, with the best outcome of, of the student athlete in mind. And also as coaches, how to have those conversations with parents. So from, from all sorts of angles, it's gonna be, I just think an incredible day. The lineup of speakers is fantastic. The location is fantastic. And we just always, I don't know, we just always look forward to getting together with good people and moving positive ideas forward. We've also got Backyard Barbecue supplying some delicious barbecue. Uh, so we're very grateful for them. It's going to be a great day. I hope we'll see you there. Join us. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Remind Recover. Remind Recover is a supplement that helps athletes support brain health. Similar to how you drink a protein shake to help your muscles recover after a workout, Remind Recover has been scientifically formulated to give you the nutritional building blocks to help support healthy brain function. I am a huge fan of Remind Recover. It is as close to the science as any supplement I've seen, and feel free to check out their website for more. It's remindrecover.com. And when you go there, if you want to place an order, and I recommend it, use the code GOODATHLETE for a discount on checkout.